Conversations, Mondays to Thursdays, 6.30pm to 8.30pm with Rebecca Pala. The time is 27 minutes to 8. This is Conversations on Energy FM 102.1 and Choice FM 101.1. So as and when we learn of another unfortunate incident that has led to the death of a fellow South African, especially when it has to do with gender-based violence, the understanding commonly is that majority of the perpetrators of this violence are males. And we then start engaging in conversations, really in attempts to try and establish what the problem is, where the rot dates back to, and how that can best be avoided. So tonight on The Burning Issue, I'll be joined by a panel. And in particular, we'll be looking at whether the way in which Africans parent their children contributes to the children's likelihood of being offenders in future. As always, we would like for you to join us in this conversation. Our WhatsApp text line is 079-295-1212 or you can send a voice note to 060-771-5107. And of particular interest for us really is often this conversation when it happens, it seems the blame is largely on women. To say because mothers are very soft in their approach, they raise children to be spoiled. Um, in in Sipedi, they'll say, So we, we want to really get to the deeper understanding of exactly what is at play here. So to help us really tackle this, I'm joined on the line by the reigning Mrs. Polokwani, and she, she's the queen. Good evening. Welcome to Conversations. Good evening, Rebecca, and the listeners of Energy FM, and thank you for having me tonight. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Well, thanks. <laughs> I must also add that you're also a mother. Yes. <laughs> two boys, Nohan. <laughs> <laughs> and to also help us with this conversation, I'm joined on the line also by a wife and a literacy advocate that is uh, Lucy Raduzuizo. She prefers to be called Lu, Lu as opposed to, to Lu. In fact, Lulu. So, Lulu, good evening. Welcome to Conversations. Good evening, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Good evening to the listeners of Energy and Choice of M as well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Becca? I'm well, thank you. Let me just start there, Lulu. I mean, we've all been raised in African families. From the experience that you've had, really, would you say you find that the way in which Africans parent is a bit faulty in some way? Definitely. Um, Definitely. Parenting uh, on its own will always be flawed. Um, regardless of where you are from. However, um, from the African perspective, I think mainly because we are um, generally a poor uh, continent, rather. Um, a lot of parents parent from a place of frustration and depression and a lot of anger. Um, even those that are not from that place of anger, depression and frustration, they are parenting from a perspective or not even a perspective, but they are neglecting their children because they are probably too busy. And for those that are not necessarily wealthy, they are parenting from a place of frustration because they are not really well off. So many factors that influence um, the kind of parenting that 
that happens in Africa. And I think more than a lot of the issues that affect the way that parents parent in Africa is mostly finances. Mm-hmm. Mapula, mm. for, for you as a parent, I mean, I imagine the immediate question you had when I, I called you earlier to say we'd be having this conversation <laughs> was to say, but what do we then use to gauge whether par- the, a certain technique that's used in a certain family is ideal or if it's faulty? Have you mm. confronted that? And if you did, what, what answer did you arrive at? Look, I think for me, the biggest thing was to look at how it, it, it has done. I think it, it was done and how we do it now. I think it, it becomes faulty when we do not allow ourselves to unlearn, uh, learn and relearn and keep learning. So when we, 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 we get to do how it was done, like the way our parents raised us, I believe they raised us the way they were raised. That's why even now, certain things are like a no-no to them. But for us as a new generation uh, of parents, how we need to raise our children is learning and evolving with how things are done now so that we are able to do it better. And wherever we find faults, we're able to come in and uh, correct that space. Mm-hmm. And speaking of this modern day parenting, I find mm-hmm. that because often of late, also because we're very free to speak about our feelings, a lot of people have started saying they were given hard love, uh, tough love rather, yes. growing up. And so mm-hmm. when, when I become a parent, I want to do better and be a bit softer as opposed to that yeah. hard love of saying, if you didn't do your chores, you're not going to eat. Do you yes. find that that alternative also becomes problematic in some form, Mabula? It most definitely, it becomes problematic. I have noticed it with my son. So they want to bargain more than what you tell, you know? Because back then, it's you either do dishes or you don't get food. And now these ones will tell you this must come as a reward. So it becomes a bit of a problem because when you sit on the bargaining table for them, there's benefits of it and there's also disadvantages to it. So now I've learned to say, look, we need to bring in a balance of the old and the new for you to have a a productive uh, parenting and also have a child that is well balanced because we can't discard what was done um, and now want to bring in new things. That's that's the way we're killing ourselves. But when we are able to bring in a balance of what happened before and what we can uh, apply now, it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lulu, come back to the conversation, really, and, and let's bring in the aspect of mothers, right? Because generally in society, I mean, of, in, of late, we also don't even want to be called Mbogoto because Mbogoto, the understanding mm-hmm. I have is it refers to a, a rock and we want to be understood to be soft and gentle mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, it seems the greater part of the blame is put on mothers to say mothers are so soft it, they are the reason why children are spoiled. And so these children then over time learn to be so, you know, wanting of everything and, and knowing that as soon as they throw in a tantrum and th- they throw in the toys, they will get that which they want from mother. Do you find and do you agree that mothers are in fact leading to a lot of the children growing up to be spoiled? How, if you do agree then, what should they be doing differently? Um, I don't think I really agree with uh, the fact that mothers are overly soft or mothers are contributing mostly to the problem of 
upon it also, Aaron, what Mapula was saying. Some of the things are also dependent on the character of the child that you're dealing with. Uh, As a parent, you should be able to understand that when I'm dealing with this particular child, and in a case where you have more than one child, you are able to realize that this one, when I sit down with them and speak to them, they totally understand and they are able to change their ways. And there is one that needs a harsher way of dealing with uh, things. There's that one that will not listen to a simple conversation and needs more methods. And as she said, learning and uh, and relearning. With with mothers being overly soft, I think parenting is the responsibility of both parents and nobody should be blamed for um, the result of anybody else's way of parenting. If if the mother is soft and the father is, let the father implement something that can assist that the way the mother is doing things. And if the mother is the stricter one, I, I for one was raised by a strict woman. So if the mother is the stricter one, let there be a balance in parenting. And if the parents are communicating in how to raise uh, the children, it becomes easier. The only challenge in South Africa is that most mothers are generally single mothers. And I think that's why at the end they are generally blamed for how the children turn out because it's, it's like you were the one that was caring for this child. So if you had done things differently, the child would have turned out differently. So, um, yes, um, changing ways as you go. If you are too soft and you realize it's not working, learn and relearn, correct, and be honest with yourself that the method that I'm using to parent my children is not exactly effective. Let me try something new. Mm. Mm. Mapula, is it very easy to strike that balance, to be able to be tough mom when you need to be tough mom, but to also be understanding soft mom when you need to be? Because like you said earlier, these children bargain in terms of everything. If you're going to Mm. ask them to go somewhere, there needs to be an incentive before they they go there. Is Mm. it easy to strike a balance? It's not very easy. uh, But I also agree with uh, Lucy to say, It it requires a more intentional parenting. And if you've got a spouse, for example, I've got my husband who is playing a bigger role in this whole um, equation because at least we are able to balance each other. I know he's the soft one, I'm the tough mom, you know. Then we are able to balance it out in that way. But also, um, like I say, it just requires you to be more intentional and allow them to cry. Actually, I once read somewhere, oh, no, no, actually, when the school that my child goes to, when we arrived, they called a parents' meeting. What they said was, your child needs to learn no. And that is the most important thing that your child needs to learn. And for me, from that basis, I took it from there and tried to strike a balance from that place to say, this child needs to learn a no, and if he's going to be rolling down the floor, it's okay, but he will learn that a no is a no. So it's not really easy, but you need to be very intentional in your parenting for you to get this um, across. But also what is important is that the generation that we live in, both depression and mental health issues come in so, uh, they're so right, that you need to understand them from a young age and the, the, the balancing it from there as well. To say, if I do this, how is it affecting him emotionally? Uh, does it allow him to come on board and be uh, very outspoken and be very clear with how he feels with issues and stuff? So you can either close that door of emotions or open it uh, in, in, in your quest to balance these things. Yeah. 
So yeah. Now, Mapula, in one of the WhatsApp groups that I'm in, I'm in for where I mm. reside, right? We we mm. had an incident recently where one other neighbor's house was sort of broken into, but no major um, challenges came about from that. And then it was found that the attack was actually, or the breaking in was done by one of the children of another neighbor. And mm. when the parents were confronted, the immediate reaction from the parent of the child who is thought to have been the one who broke in, immediately said, my son doesn't do that, right? My son doesn't do that. He wouldn't do that. He is a good child and he just didn't do it. And Mm -hmm. it became an argument between the two parents about, but you don't know your child, with the other one saying, no, no, but you can't say that. It's my child. I know my child. He would never do that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's instances like those where people then conclude to say mothers often are also very quick to defend their children without fully understanding what their children get up to because i mean they also go to school right we don't spend the entire time with them what Mm -hmm. do you have to say to that look i think this issue when we want to parent by bluetooth um and also learning to have tough conversations uh, it, and, and, and what you're saying is very true. It happens in our complex as well. Um, and I noticed that a lot of, let me just call them rich kids, are the ones who are actually out in the streets doing amazing things that uh, their parents are not aware of. But it's also, most of the time, it's parents of kids, parents who have money, who are parenting kids through money most of the time, that they're not really available. Because when you are available, in as much as you will not know your child hundred percent, but you are able to know most of the things that uh, are key. So most of the time it's because we are parents that are not necessarily available. We use resources to try and uh, close the gap for us. And then that's why we get shocked because in your house, you don't know the child. All you know is what he shows you. But Mm -hmm. when you are an intentional parent who is available, you are able to read between the lines. You are able to see also the things that they're not showing you. Because remember, kids are kids. And in as much as they can try to be smart, if you are a parent who is intentionally available, you will outsmart them and be able to pick a, a number of things, even if you don't pick everything, but you will be able to pick a, a number of things. So what is important is that we need to be available parents who are intentionally there and go and ask teachers when we see things that are not really uh, uh, correct so that mm. we are able to learn more about our kids. Yeah. And Lulu, I do hope that after the break you can chip in on that one as well. This immediate yeah. urge to want to defend your child without yeah. fully understanding exactly what is at play. I hope that you will also then come in and share your views on that. I'm in conversation with Mapula Lorodi, who is a mother. Um, she does a lot of work, even also in terms of helping people transform themselves and activate confidence within themselves. And we're also joined by literacy activist, uh, wife, Lucia. Oh, why am I saying Lucia? Lucy, Lulu. And we in particular tonight are talking about and, and really reflect on, reflecting on the parenting techniques that are employed by Africans and whether they in any way contribute to children growing to become um, criminals. Lulu, let's come to that question and please do pardon me for continuing to murder your name so much when it's so easy. I don't know why that is happening. <laughs> let's get to that issue of mother's 
always immediately, I don't even know if it's just a mother thing and you can always share your experience even with that. Why is it that parents are so quick to defend their children without fully having sort of managed to grasp exactly what is at play when their children are alleged to have done wrong? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes parents defend their children because they automatically project the issue at hand to themselves. They automatically think, because you are accusing my child of one, two, three, you are automatically accusing me of failing in parenting. And it's just a way of them trying to protect not only the child, mm. but themselves as well. I think it's just a natural instinct of every parent to, to protect their child, even when they are wrong. But I think that most parents just assume that when you say that their child um, did this or did that, it means that they are not doing a good job. Sometimes they are not intentional with just being accountable um, for whatever else that could be happening at home that is causing the child to be as they are or them failing to just realize that they are living with that kind of a child under their nose. And at, at times, as, as I said, it's just refusing to be accountable for failed parenting methods and not wanting to be honest with themselves. And at times it's just shock, you know, to say, how can I not notice that I am Mm. living with this kind of child right under my nose? Uh, I think it's just a natural thing for any parent to want to protect and shield. Many parents do not want to put themselves in a place where they are questioned in front of their child. Sure. All right, a question from Nelly, who's listening from 9L, who says, Good evening, Rebecca. I hear that Mrs. Polokwani speaks of being intentionally available for your children. Some of us are single parents who are always away from home. How do we bridge that gap? Before you answer that question, Mapula, let's quickly listen to some of the voice notes. Good evening, Rebecca, and the listeners of Energy and Choice FM. This topic of today, I think it's far much more important, and we need to really as a nation engage on it and see the root cause of the violence that we see coming from the youth. There's a saying that a child is not raised merely by their parents, but the community as a whole. And it's more relevant to us as blacks because most of the time our parents work far from home and the kids end up having to be guided by the community in large i'm not sure if we can like entirely point this matter of the violence that we see displayed by our youth directly into our parents specifically i think it's a national issue because as we can see that every time in the communities when there are for example protests the manner in which we display our unsatisfactory views on issues it really manifests to the topic of today we have seen this thing from the time of apartheid where in the community will go out they are not happy they will bend tires and and it's still happening even today and you can count the number of years when all this issue of the violence has started until today so i don't think we can entirely blame it on parents it is an issue that it's been carried from one generation to the next 
All right, so those are just some of the views. We will hear most or more of the other voice notes, at least as much as we possibly can. Mapula, your response to that question from a single mother who says exactly how should they be intentional? Look, um, it's so interesting that this guy, the voice note, uh, also speaks to the same thing. Yeah. Um, But what is important is taking responsibility of the kind of environment that we build and support structure that we have around us and our kids. So being intentional would say you, you, whoever you are leaving your child with, you become intentional in stating exactly what you want. It's like when you have a helper, um, you know a helper can wash dishes, can do whatever, but it's important that you state exactly how you want it done. So in us being intentional when we are, Bluetooth intentional, uh, let me just put it that way, because you are not around, is that when you are around, you make the most of the moment that you are around. Because influence is, there's there's a bit, not much that we can do with regards to influence uh, society uh, on our kids and ourselves. But we can try to curb it. So in curbing it is that you curb also the people that are around your child, because Children pick up a lot of things from a lot of people and are influenced in so many ways. So mm-hmm. you become intentional in how you curb the environment that your child grows in. And then you also become intentional in setting, setting schedules. If it says you have routines, you, sh- you set those routines that will teach your child certain things that you want. Mm-hmm. You set uh, and you give them away. You become very intentional in telling the people that are with your child to say, these are the things that I want my child to do. And if you don't see them happen, you are able to also pick it up because you have stated them. You have put them down. But when you don't know the kind of results that you want from your child and you don't put them down and you don't communicate them, it becomes difficult for you to assess whether this child is doing okay or not. Mm-hmm. So in being intentional, we need to then to be very clear as to what we want. More like goal setting, vision board. Mm-hmm. Have that goal setting for your child to say, this is what I want because I'm away. This is how we need to um, come in and achieve those things. Sure. Um, Lulu, one of the things that was said, particularly from the voice note by one listener, is that aspect of a community upbringing the children in the community. Times have changed quite a lot. I imagine in the villages, it possibly could still very well be in place. Uh, yeah. But but would you say the same is happening in your townships, in your suburbs? Are we still able to caution, you know, a neighbor's child when we see that they're erring in behavior as opposed to perhaps gossiping with a friend and maybe then ridiculing the child's parent as opposed to also taking up that responsibility as a parent, though you're not their biological parent. Do you find that we still have that sense? And if we don't, how do we cultivate it back? Um, we, we definitely don't, especially, as you say, in the urban areas and townships, it's, it's, it's not that much there because, honestly, if there is any of, of places where the moral fiber is decaying a lot, it's townships, townships and urban areas, and it's because people there um, back your corner. They can afford whatever they want, so it, they live on on the thought that they cannot depend on somebody else. Whereas in rural areas, it's mostly cultivated by the fact that somehow, in some way, you are dependent on your neighbor, on your relative, for something else. Whereas in urban areas, 
most families are independent. So it's almost like why you cannot tell my my son one, two, three because I do not need anything from you. You cannot tell my child this or that you cannot talk to my child in that way. Um, however, I do believe that somehow in one way or the other, whether we like it or not, children have primary parents, secondary parents, and uh, eventually the community. Um, as Mapula was saying about having helpers and family that are assisting in raising our children, it is important as parents to be able to um, teach the people that are surrounding your children how to, you know, talk to your children. I remember one of our neighbors um, back in the township at home, um, she would always tell us that if you see my girl child with a boy in the street, feel free to talk to them and tell them to come home. That also gave me the freedom, if I may put it that way, that should I bump into this child in the street with a boy, I'll be able to say, let's go home and stop doing what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I think as parents being intentional about um, communicating, having clear communication patterns with the secondary parents of our children, the people that are surrounding them to say, look, um, I cannot raise this child alone, but let's do it in this way. I do not prefer that you hit my child, but I would prefer for you to do one, two, three. Whether it's with helpers, neighbors, or even the people that are just helping us in raising our children, even our friends. Mm-hmm. All right, let's yeah. listen to a few more of the voice notes and then we will wrap up our discussion. For different reasons. First of all, it could be that because their parents are not in the lives of the children. So the children resort to peer pressure and then violence happens. For some, it's because there's no food at home. Then violence is the only way of getting money and bringing food to the table. That's the second reason. The third reason could be that the parents are not well aware of the kind of children they have and they are not in touch with their children. They're present in their lives, they give them money, but they do not know who their children are. That's the third reason. And there are countless other reasons. The thing of blaming mothers is one that exposes that then fathers are not present in their children's lives. All right, that's just one voice note. Let's hear another one. Good evening. Well, on this particular topic, I do not think parents should be blamed for their children's behavior. I mean, I can come from a family where I got everything that I wanted, I got spoiled, and still choose not to engage in violence. And you find someone who grew up at home not getting everything that they wanted, but they still choose violence. I think violence is what you as a person choose it's not really associated with how you grew up what background you come from it's not about that all right a few things really coming up from those voice notes um mapula that issue of of peer pressure to say you can only know your child for to a a certain extent right because they also Mm -hmm. have friends they go to school and issues such as those Um, but also you you hear of of the aspect of circumstances in the home Lulu to say they don't always matter because 
children will make up their own minds. I think we, we can only scratch the surface in terms of trying to diagnose why is it that the recent crime statistics, for instance, are the way they are. And it seems this is one of the other factors that a lot of people are convinced is contributing to the numbers as they currently stand. So what we were really trying to establish from this engagement, Lulu and Mapula, is to find out whether the ways in which children are brought up in families in any way also lead to them becoming violent in society. I'll start with you, Lulu. Do you agree or not? I, I agree. Uh, the numbers don't lie, honestly. Um, I, I want to be um, liberal in thinking that um, it's a choice. I totally agree. We are all victims of circumstance in, in one way or the other. Somehow, some people are a victim of being neglected. Some are victims of, you know, abuse, domestic abuse at home and emotional abuse, psychological abuse. We are all victims of circumstances in one way or the other. However, at the end of the day, our lives are shaped by the choices that we make as people. However, we cannot ignore that the social ills that we are exposed to, to a very large extent, influence, um, influence the way we turn out in life. As, as one of the voice notes have spoken, that for some people, they do not even have food at home. And, and for them, the only way to find food is to be violent in one way, to be violent in one way or the other. So... I want to say that I do agree that uh, the, in, the way in which we are raised does contribute to um, how we turn out. And I want to, I'm saying this confidently because we can see how violent we are as an African continent. I mean, lo- numbers do not lie. Mm-hmm. Mapula? Mm. Okay, I will agree because I think it's. Uh, we need to learn that it is our responsibility as parents to teach our kids to take responsibility of their actions. Um, and I think this is one thing that we have not, we were not taught. You think you only start taking responsibility on things that suits you, but you don't understand that every action is equal to a consequence. And you need to take responsibility of the consequences of the actions that you you took. And I think um, on that basis, I will agree that it is partially our fault <laughs> as parents because we did not teach our kids that take responsibility of your actions. But at the same time, we can also not agree because if you taught your kids and they don't take responsibility, there's nothing much you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Mapula Lorodi, the reigning Mrs. Polokwani and confidence activator, and most importantly, mother, thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation with us. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. Mm, and to you as well, with the most um, important titles, just as much, um, conversationalist, <laughs> literacy advocate, and most importantly, wife, Lulu, Lucy, Raludzwezo. Thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation with. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much, ladies. Conversations, Mondays to Thursdays, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. with Rebecca Pala.